Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and I am joined with my good friend and co-host, Mr. Jay-Z, Jason Zanger. Jason, buddy, how you doing? Hey, Jim. I'm How doing do? well. You did great. Yeah, I kinda, yeah. I, I like kinda like this. I like our little one-liner. It really yeah. gets to the heart of what we do here at Making Chips. And it's all about the inflections too. You know, you really got to dig it in because it's challenging. Manufacturing is tough. This is serious stuff. I mean, you know, this is not just fun and games. We're, we're here to provide quality information to all the people out there across the world that want to listen to us and and let us share our knowledge of what we know and hear through all of our peers and experiences. I agree. And Jim, I actually thought about you this weekend. You speaking did. Speaking of like, you know, your inflections and everything. I was at Monster Jam with my son. Oh, so, fun. Um, so one of the things that I, I try to do is I try to have like a day or a half day with each one of my kids by themselves every quarter just to make sure that I keep that connection with each one of them separately. And my son Brady wanted to go to Monster Jam. So we went to Monster Jam and it's a production. And, oh, yeah. Um, it's like a rock concert. They're selling you stuff and, you know... It, it's they had the guy there that had just that cliched announcer voice and i was oh, like I that's jim's dream is to be the announcer <laughs> at, at monster, monster jam. jam right sure oh yeah that's what i want to do actually I'd, i would have loved to have been a rock star back in the day but you know maybe you could be a monster I'm not, jam i'm not going to get that gig in um, in my mid 50s anymore so uh, that's kind of gone by the wayside but i'm enjoying what i'm doing here with you jason so that's great it's just a lot of fun and uh, it's providing a lot of value to people that uh, want to open up their ears and and listen so that's funny that you sh- that's how you spend your free time with your kids going to monster jam and our kids and i i take my kids to a bar we sit down and we have uh, you know a bottle of wine or a pitcher of beer. Different point in our lives. Different point in our life. And, you know, it just talk about getting real. It, you know, lowers the inhibitions and all the, the truths start coming yeah, out. Yeah, well, I guess when so, they get older, they have more things going on and you need yes. to extract information from them in a creative way. So speaking of extracting information, when you're in sales, sometimes you need to get information from your customer, your client, or your prospective client in order to close the sale. So I guess one of the questions I have for you is, I know you're really big into marketing. Social media is a big thing for you, particularly LinkedIn. You're very active on LinkedIn. You know, mm-hmm. I think Twitter and Facebook are you know, kind of not, not as relevant. But talking about marketing and sales, so I know that you have some processes that relates to marketing, but do you have any processes as it relates to sales? very elementary because the size of my company and I was never brought into the company with an educated leader to show me how to create processed sales procedures. Okay. So what I have done on my own is just by talking to you, talking to my peers and taking those good ideas and implementing them into my car machine and tool business. But you, I mean, you're an endearing guy. And so you've probably been semi-successful in selling yourself and selling your company and what you I do am. and I, everything. I often say that if I can get in front of the prospect, I have got a very good chance of winning them and, and having a, a solid purchase order from that. So if I can get them into my facility, I 
got a probably an 80% success rate that I'm going to see a PO. That's great. But That's great. as far as lead sales and leads, what I do is when I get that lead, I have a just a very simple Google sheet that Linda, my office manager, and I, we um, embellish on that sheet. We write notes. We write the customer name. The, so you kind of got your CRM in your Google sheet. It kind of. And, yeah. it, and what it is, is as we touch that particular warm prospect, warm prospect, and then customer, we embellish on that document and start building a database of information there. So we can always go back and, you know, any... Any relevant information that we hear, you know, like they say, well, in June, we're going to be releasing, you know, $3 million in new orders, or my granddaughter just had a baby boy named Zachary last okay. year. So those kind of little pieces yeah. we put You're in CRMing there. CRMing through, through Google Sheets, and that, that's I, I, fine. That's, yeah. You, you it's probably, elementary. You, you probably should look to change in that future, but I guess the point of what, what I'm discussing with you now is... You know, we have talked about this on the show before. There is a difference between sales and marketing. Totally. Marketing Marketing puts your eyes on you. Sales is the one that pulls the customer in. What you want to do is you want your marketing to make it easier for you to sell something. So you want the customer to be predisposed and have an idea in their mind when they come to your shop for you to close the deal, what your shop is going to look like, how you're going to treat them as a customer, the professionalism of um, who you are as as a company. So that way, when they come to your shop and they start thinking about the POs that they have, boom, you can close that PO right there and then. Hopefully. Yeah. That's the end goal is to do that. Yes. The episode that we're going to talk about today is actually an interview that I had with um, the famous Julie Poulos. And yes. hopefully- um, She's the marketing maven. Yeah. Hopefully people aren't getting a little too um, Julie overwhelmed. I mean, we, we hear from Julie all the time and we love to hear from her. She's got a lot of great ideas. And we're going to talk a little bit about Outbound content. She's vivacious too. Yeah, she is. Uh, outbound content strategies for your sales team and just how you structure your sales team around your marketing approach. And I do have a sales team, a very large one. And so, you know, I've got some ideas as to how I can improve that through some of the techniques that Julie's going to Do you have a CRM table. system? We do, and we're just starting to utilize it. Okay. So right now, the CRM is is in all of my salesmen's heads, which is not a good approach. It's about as you know uh, effective as you know like Google Sheets. So we have some improvements we need to make ourselves. Okay. So let's talk about a little manufacturing news. What do you got? Well, yeah, you're so you're, you're bringing this one today. I actually, you know, the way that I look on my manufacturing news is I just go to Google and I search manufacturing. Hey, that's my thing. Okay, well, you I stole do the same that thing. from Maybe me, I bud. Did. Maybe I did. Yeah, you but did. Before I even clicked on. The the news side of thing, there wasn't anything too interesting. But what I did notice is that there was an ad, an ad, uh, an a sponsored ad, ad, a sponsored ad in Google for under when, when you Google manufacturing manu- when you search manufacturing. No, and it says, yeah, it says invest in Great Britain and Northern Ireland for manufacturing. <laughs> and I just thought that that was interesting, even though it's not necessarily a news article. I hope that steel tariff doesn't go through. That'll be interesting because that's actually being discussed. We'll see what happens when it goes through the legislature and and stuff like that. But I just thought it was interesting that in this age of, you know, nationalist thinking and everybody being very internal from in their political views, it's interesting that, you know, the UK is trying to really advertise themselves as a hub of European manufacturing. So it says in this article that the UK 
is ninth in global economy as it relates to manufacturing. So I thought that was interesting. Of course, I think the United States would probably be one or two. I would assume maybe what does it China, say? China. It, does, it doesn't well, list them all. It's a sponsored ad. It's a sponsored for ad for Britain. the UK. For the UK. For, I'm sorry, for Great Britain. Yeah. You know, it's just interesting how they're advertising themselves. And, you know, I hope that, you know, the US actually gets to the point where they are going to be looking at themselves as a hub of, of manufacturing as well as the North We certainly have, hub. The re- we have the resources. We have the resources. We just got yeah. to turn the fire on. That's all we got to do. But it'll be interesting what happens with these tariffs. It certainly will. It certainly will. More news to follow. Well, why don't we go to this interview with Julie Pullis? Very good. Looking forward to doing it. Julie, welcome to Making Chips. Thank you. And happy Valentine's Day. Yes. Yeah. So at the time of this recording, it is Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day to you too. (laughs) So it's great to have you back. We're once again in our Marketing for Makers series. And I'm very excited to talk about this new topic, which is equipping your sales team with an outbound sales strategy. And as the VP of sales, I know that you're a very good saleswoman and I'm looking forward to learning something from you. (laughs) Well, thank you. It's always so great to be here. And I'm very excited to be back on the, the first of the new format. That's so cool. I know it is. It is. Uh, I I don't have to worry about Jim talking over me or, you know, anything like that. So it's kind of exciting for me as well. (laughs) So going back to episode 126, um, which we talked about starting with a list. So I've got in my hands a list of prospects that I want to go after their business. And just to kind of briefly rewind and and tell the metalworking nation, you should listen to episode 126. But basically, you've identified your best customers, and then you've created a list of prospects based on those best customers. Did I summarize that well? Perfect. Uh, You know, just looking at your historical data and identifying an ideal customer profile, and then researching, which if you remember, I don't know the episode that Phil from Orbit Forum was on, he was talking about his Orbistics mission was really researching who those customers that you want to now go after. Okay, so great. So I've got the list of my clients that I or my prospects that I want to go after. What do I do next? So one of the things that we've talked about, you know, amongst ourselves for a long time, as well as one of the the pain points that we hear all the time. And ironically, it can be with a small to mid-sized manufacturer that has um, a, a small sales team that maybe is often focused on managing accounts, maybe more than the hunt or so, what do you yeah, call the hustle? But, so my team, we deal with this all the time where um, we have, and I'm using air quotes, we have our quote unquote salespeople, but basically most of the time what they're doing is that they're account managing and they're doing a lot of functions to, out in the field to be quite honest with you that they probably could be doing in the office or tasks that could be offloaded onto um, like an assistant salesperson or an administrative right. assistant or something like that. So I think when, when, when you mentioned the, the Orbistics um, sales model, it kind of goes back to that whole manufacturing theory of constraints where you look at, you know, what's my bottleneck? What is holding me back from growing sales? And how do I break this apart in order to be more efficient so that my hunters can hunt and my account managers can manage? Yeah. And, you know, I think we all know it's just a little blurry and there's a lot of gray. And I think all we're trying to get to is a little less gray because I'm, I'm very much the advocate of the feet on the street. And I know they want to be out there, but 
but often they're being pulled like seaweed or octopus legs, pulling them back down into the minutiae they don't need to be in. So what this episode, I'm really hoping to really um, equip and inspire is a mind shift, whether it be a small organization with a small um, sales team, or we've worked with large manufacturers that are really working on managing the top X amount of accounts, but really creating a mind shift so they can start getting their feet wet with prospecting with a little bit of a plan. So it isn't as overwhelming, right? So that's what we're hoping our goal is today is a little bit of an outbound sales strategy that is very intentional. Okay. So I've got in front of me, either in a spreadsheet or even on a piece of paper, I've got a but, list. But ideally, of, where do we want it? In a CRM yes. system. So, okay. <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying to simplify this and just try, you know, you, you said before, you know, we want to make this accessible for every type of company and not every company out there has a CRM system. So if somebody wants to go out there and start prospecting, spreadsheet, you know, you start at the top CRM and then you've got a spreadsheet and then you've got a piece of paper. So let's just say one of those three things, I've got a list of prospects that I want to go after. What do I do next? What information is on that list in order to make sure that I have the right information in order to follow through with that sales strategy? So I think that first of all, you just want to like chart something out on the board, kind of like we did here today is, and it's really about a contact strategy is how do you want to, you know, reach out in a timely manner. In the past on many of your episodes we've talked about like is cold calling dead and this is I kind of like to call or consider this it's like an intentional warm so it's it's a warm call not a, not a cold freezing ice uh, as Chicago winter call as it is so the first thing you want to do is really start figuring out you've got the list and let's say there's you know um, 20 and, and and let's say we're going to give each salesperson five and we're going to say for the month of or for two months for four weeks or eight weeks you're going to be focused on these five top prospects. And so this is the strategy that you're going to want to do. You're going to first want to inform yourself. So you're it's really basic. I know you guys are going to like think it's crazy, but look at their website, <laughs> socially stalk them and get a little bit of information. And that's where the warmth comes in. Well, and- I think that's very important. So as somebody that receives a lot of those colder, warm phone calls, I want to know that that person has at least given me the respect of understanding a little bit about my, about me and about my business before they called me. Otherwise, just like, you know, they thought about me for as long as it took them to dial the phone and they don't care about my business enough and they don't want to help me enough. They're just looking at me like I'm, you know, numbers on the board. And so you need to take it a step further, like you said, and, and visit their website, get to know who that influencer or buyer is in the process. And one of um, your good buddy, Jim Carr, <laughs> says is get to know their pain points. What's their pain and what can you, you know, solve? So yeah. Now- I mean, one of the things, you know, going back to that, what we, we talk about as a company is that we always want to take our, our clients through a transfer transformational process. So when we we talk to a new client, I just had this conversation, a great conversation the other day with somebody, and I explained to them how different we are in the transformation that we would take them through. And it kind of blew him away because it was so different from what he had um, originally experienced. Or maybe even considered. Right. 
Right. Oh, to me, that's the key is like when you put something in somebody's brain that they hadn't even thought about. But I think we're getting off on a, on a tangent here. We have the client list in front of us and we want to just kind of warm them up to our phone call. So what? So, how do we do so that? So the salesperson is educating themselves. And this is where then you don't even need any big fancy marketing to do something is what can we, I know it sounds a little old school, but what can we send them? What can we send them that is a, a piece of something that's bulky, it's memorable, but it's warming them up to you. And I, Is this like when I get, you know, in the mail, like a trinket from like a real estate agent or something like that? I think it's about very intentional. That's a great question. Let me give you some examples because we've done this. I don't think the direct mail is dead. I think it's just very, we want to be very intentional and very limited. So to send something nicer to 20 people that has an intent, Jim sent out a brochure in a bottle once. So it was a, a, a metal tin, you know, water bottle and rolled up his brochure, you know, and put that in there. One of the things that I did once is I picked a client and actually several clients and I sent them a book and I wrote a handwritten note in it and just said, you know, we've talked a lot about your business and I think that this book could, you know, you might learn something from this book. Maybe you know everything from this, but I just wanted to pass this along to you because this book, the things that I learned from this book have been impactful in my business and it actually opened up the door for, uh, um, for some clients. I love that idea. I've done that a lot. And I've usually had a conversation prior because you know oh, that yeah, there's going to be no, a No, of connect. course. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. This is a little bit colder. This was right. not a cold sending of a book. This was based on several conversations prior. Which is one of my favorite things to do. But in this case, it's about something just that is going to kind of be um, intentional. I love things that can stay on on the desk. If you do metal forming and you can make something that then becomes a coaster or if you know your business, you know, the way it is. But the point is to send something that is just, it gets them thinking about you. So by the time you do call, it's a little bit more intentional. Now, if you can do something in a perfect world, we love to do something that's tied to a call to action that says, go to this landing page. And then this landing page gives you more information. Is that a little too, like kind of too impersonal though? No, I think it's about... Or does it depend on the size of your list? So if I've got, you know, like 10 people on my list, I can be a little more personalized and say, here's my cell phone number, call me. But if I got a thousand people on the list, obviously you need to send them to a landing page. Do you need to differentiate there? Even if it's we're sending something to 20 or 50, we would prefer to give them a landing page for more information. You know what? The, the first thing that you're receiving is an appetizer to whet your appetite and, and want more. So what you're knowing what the pain point is, address what that is, right? And then move on from there. So that's just in the background. So you have the salespeople right, doing what they need to be doing. And in the background, something is being you know sent out to warm up that opportunity. And then that's where you have to then determine what are the next steps. And it really has to be very unique to you. So this is just a broad guideline. But then what happens then? Do you email somebody? Do you call somebody? Do you message them on LinkedIn? Quite frankly, all of the above, you just have to really do it in the cadence that you're only, I only have five people. I have five people. So I'm giving the five people the best of me, right? And it's all about being intentional and about being personal. Even if you're sending them to something like a landing page, there needs to be a reason why that is. Um, What we've been really doing a lot is asking questions that will self-qualify people. So, you know, if are, are you experiencing, you know, a challenge in this, 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 and this, then, you know, we're, and that's where content really comes in. And that's going back to, you know, aligning kind of sales with marketing is, you know, then download our tip sheet or whatever it is to 
make you do your business better. So you have to be thoughtful, but it goes back to the pain. What's the pain and what can I do to help that pain? Really, why should you freaking talk to me? <laughs> Let's call this, instead of our best sticks, we call it why you should freaking talk to me campaign. <laughs> Hey, Jason, you know, I was looking at the IMTS site. As a matter of fact, I'm on there right now, and it looks like they're going to be having these awesome educational conferences coming up. I'm looking manufacturing process innovations, additive alternate manufacturing, plant operations, that's a new one, automation robotics, quality inspection, metrology, and industry 4.0. This is all about educating the future generation and equipping and inspiring the existing baby boomer generation to be more smarter about the manufacturing industry. Yeah, I really think that you can go to IMTS in September and just make a decision at that time based on their education series and say, here are the things that we're going to do in this next year just based on the education you receive from IMTS. It really can set a manufacturing company up for success in the new year. Yeah, if you haven't already, get to imts.com, register. It's September 9th through the 15th, McCormick Place, downtown Chicago. So you've sent them a gift, let's call it, and you've you know warmed this up so that they know who you are. You, you may have sent them an email. Is it time to make that phone call then? Is that the next step? To my point, you're probably going to want to connect on LinkedIn. You're going to want to send an email. You're going to want to make a call. But each one of those has to be in the right cadence that you're feeling it is because you want to see if somebody is connected with you. There is no magic recipe, but those are the touches. Those are the, the contact strategy that you have to you know follow. Okay. And so that's the warm-up phase. What what comes next? And then I think you decide where you put them. Do you have a method of communication? Like with us, we have the red letter. So we'll put people in and that's where they can stay in touch with us. You know, we can stay in touch with them all the time. Do we just opt them you're, out? You're talking about automatically adding them to your email list. Is that a, is that a good strategy to take? Like, do you... I, I've been probably automatically added to a thousand email lists and you know I've never automatically added anybody myself but I'm wondering whether I should do that or not no you really shouldn't I well I think it's an important question for people to um, to really understand because it happens more frequently than probably what a marketer wants to admit you know they say I have got these thousand people on there and it's like well how many of those people have really asked to be a, on your email list you really have to opt in people so one of the things that we're doing with our own contact strategies. We're adding somebody in um, as a contact in Salesforce, just that we meet, right? Somebody that, because there's about people that who are your leads, but there's just about contacts that you meet. Uh, we call them friends of RC. We don't know if they're ever going to have an opportunity with us, but they we think that at some point they might refer us. And then what we'll do is opt them into a campaign, which is just something that says, hey, it was great to meet you. This is a little bit, this is where maybe we send our corporate snapshot, say this a little bit more about our company. We'd love to stay in touch with you and include you in our red letter. And then they have the opportunity to opt out. Okay. So they, oh, they so have you a did, choice. So you did opt them in and then they have to opt out. I of sent it. them one email and then they have a choice to 
remain in or re- or opt out. So what if they don't do anything? Do they continue to get emails then? No, they're okay. in a one-off campaign okay. that you can do directly from Salesforce. Okay. And that's what's so great about having a CRM and it doesn't have to be Salesforce. It could be something, you know, very low key, but that's when it's useful for the salespeople as the reminder because then you can send a reminder and then it can say, because I think that's what happens is people just, they start doing the data work that they have to do every day. And so then there's a reminder that says, you know, in this one week, and that's when you decide, do I follow up with an email or do I follow up with a call? And you just want to do it through the rest of the month. One of the things I loved about what Phil said is once their campaign, I forgot how many weeks their campaign was. It's, I think, two months or something. Then they put it to bed. They put that campaign to bed and then they go move on to another set of different new fresh prospects. They also have a reason. And let's go back to that. There's the reason. There's the pain point. There, I'm not just saying, hey, this is everything that you know Zanger Industrial does. It's about really honing in on that right profile and having something meaningful to say. So Julie, do you have an example where this strategy worked for, let's say, a small manufacturing, small, medium-sized manufacturing company? We've been able to do this with a couple companies and have done some very unique um, things that we have sent. So with Mechanical Seal Company, we were able to send something that was Mechanical Seal that they were able to actually keep on their desk and and put trinkets in. So they actually manufactured one of their products, something that they could have resold to somebody else. And they sent that out as like a little gift that was modified into a coaster or something like that. Exactly. And then within the box, if you can imagine kind of like opening the box, we kind of then addressed what it is, very specifically what it was that we wanted people to understand what we could do, what these were the takeaways. Um, with another company, they were had just purchased prototyping equipment. And so then what we did was put in a small example of what that plastic prototype piece was. And it was a little bit more, not like an actual part. I think if I recall, it was more like a puzzle or something, but it showed the capabilities that they had this new equipment. Okay, so those are things that are super intentional that not a lot of people get. Well, one time when I, when I was on Instagram, I saw a picture of a, um, a manufacturing company who built these little like Legos of a, of a guy, a Lego guy and like his CNC machine. And I believe he sends those out to customers in order to generate some awareness for his company. So it could be, I mean, it could be anything. I think it's just a matter of you just want to, you want to warm up the client, the potential client and you want to get their attention, right? Yeah. And I think you want to showcase something about your capability, but you don't want to use a lot of words, but you want those words to really mean something. It's about creating an emotional, you know, connection. And then they put that whatever aside on their desk. And then by the time that they see something else, um, you're sending a personal email or you're trying to connect on LinkedIn, it's about just breaking down those barriers a little bit, a little bit closer. So to your point earlier is they already get me, you know, they they already, there's a, maybe I will accept this LinkedIn or maybe I will accept this phone call or I will respond to this email because I've already kind of seen that, that they understand what I am. And then it's a bit about being intentional with the follow through. You hit it on the head and you guys have said it a billion times. I actually have kind of templates that I've used because I start saying the same things over and over. My life is like a Groundhog Day, but they're very personal. They're not, um, they sound like me. Actually, my marketing team loves to edit me and I go back and say, put my flavor back in because that does not sound like me, you know, because I, I'm authentic because you're probably in the same boat and all of our listeners are probably in the same boat. You respond to the same questions day after day after day. 
I agree with you that you do have to be who you are and you have to, when you're doing these things, you have to do it in your own character, you know, or in the character of your company. And I just really, whether it's an email or it's a phone call, I probably, I don't know about you guys, but I probably have the hardest time like leaving, you know, voice messages, which I don't do often because I just want to say everything in the voice message. But so I probably do that very much the least. But we really tend to get a lot of responses from a very intentional, brief but intentional email, as well as LinkedIn Jace, what do you think? I get a ton of LinkedIn responses from a a LinkedIn response. You know, I haven't really, I I can't comment on that because I haven't utilized LinkedIn in the manner that I should. So that's a strategy that I'm going to be formulating in the future. Julie, this has been great. I've learned a lot. I love your three-step strategy that you have for it, which to reiterate is you start with your list, you warm them up, and then step three is that you contact them. And as simple as it is, I don't think people are doing it like they should be. And I really love that you gave us very accessible ways in order to move through that process and hopefully bring those prospects into buying clients and growing your business. That sounds great. I really hope that today's episode is something that can create a mind shift in people that are really working hard out on the streets and makes it a little bit easy and accessible. Thank you, Julie. Wow, Jason, that was um, first and foremost, you know, I love Julie. She's a good friend and she's an intelligent businesswoman. And she's got a lot of marketing and sales strategy techniques that we all should sit back and listen to with wide open ears. But as I listened to your interview, and, and by the way, I want I want to commend you on a very great interview. I think you both brought some real world techniques to the sales process. Our target audience are manufacturing leaders. And a lot of our listeners are small manufacturers like Jim Carr at Car Machine and Tool. And, you know, first and foremost, I I don't think a lot of us have the skills to do all of this. So I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about how I was raised and what I learned growing up in a small manufacturing company. Not only did I have to learn how to run CNC equipment and learn how to machine metal and learn how to do CNC programming and learn how to do CAD CAM and learn how to do all these other things, but now you guys are kind of, I feel a little overwhelmed. Now you got to be a sales guy too. Now I got to be a sales guy. And so I feel for all the manufacturers out there because I know, I feel that same feeling you're feeling. It's like, oh my gosh, it's it's like one more thing to do and, and now I got to be a salesman. And this is not in my happy place. This is not what I do well. We're manufacturers. We know how to make stuff. We know how to hold plus or minus one thousandth of an inch. On time, we, quality. Yeah, you know, we, we you know, know how, how to do, do this. Stuff. So. This was good. It was it was a wake up call for me, but it intimidates me still a little bit, even though I have a better skill set, a sales skill set than I did ten years ago. For instance, well, the great thing about this is I think that from this conversation, Julie and I really simplified the process. So you have a list. It could be number five one. People. Have a list. It could be five people on that list, and let's just say that you sell to think of an industry that you service automated equipment. Okay, so. Think about that customer that you have in automated equipment and sure. think of five others that are just like them. Okay. You write those five people down on the list. Okay. Okay. 
And then you learn something about those five people, maybe what their pain points are or exactly what you could do to solve their problems. And you could send them something right. just to warm them up and get them going. Intentional targeting. Intentional targeting. Yeah. And then you make the phone call. Right. I mean, that's not a complicated process. And, and then content strategy is her number three. So it's list and intentional targeting. And then two, warm up that customer. And then three, contact strategy. I know, but still, Jason, I, you know, it may seem easy for you and Julie to say all these things, but you have I to remember, a sales guy. I am a, a classic manufacturing guy. I'm a shop floor guy right. that's now president, owner, and operator of a small manufacturing company. Now you want me to start doing all this. So, you know, again, we're all wearing a lot of hats from operations to HR to administrative duties to sales to marketing. I mean, this is a lot. For manufacturers, I think this is way out of our comfort zone. So I think the question is, when do we decide that we have to hire a salesperson. Well, these things are all very, very simple steps that you can go through. And I don't think that a salesperson, a quote unquote salesperson, needs to do every step in the process. So think about this. Your administrative assistant could do the research on other clients yes. like your good clients. Right. So your administrative assistant could create the list. She could. Your office manager. Yes, whatever, she could. Whoever it is, your son yes. could be. And then you guys could have a meeting and say, what are the pain points of these customers and what could we send to them that could warm them up in order to get their attention? And then all you have to do is step three, which is make the phone call. Right. So it doesn't send have the to be email that or do a LinkedIn you. campaign or yes, I, I all of those ways that we we have as resources to touch these people. I mean, the one thing that I wouldn't recommend, like going in the opposite direction. So there's a company that you probably know of them because they're members of an association that we're a part of. And I started getting telemarketing phone calls from this particular person who clearly was engaging like a call center in order to call me constantly. Oh, and they were calling me and the, and the, and the person didn't know anything about me. Bad. And it was just, I mean, Bad. don't, don't do that. So, but you could put a strategy together to take care of the steps that are easy for your office manager to do. And then you make the phone call. This is Jim Carr. I'm president of Car Machine. I've got clients that are just like you and we've solved many of their problems and this is how we've done it. Right. And I just sent you this nice gift, which I hope that is sitting on your desk. Could we have a discussion? Could I bring you out to my shop? I think that we would be a great partner with you. Right. I took notes while I was listening, as you saw with my pencil, create an emotional connection. I can do that. I, I, I've done that before. Be authentic. I think Julie was spot on with that. I think that was a great point. Yeah. You. If you're not you authentic, you. if you're not authentic, it's you're going to get lost. So, if you're trying to fake it, it's never going to work. You you need to be you. And I think this goes right. to like when when I've I, I've generated millions of dollars in business from that whole idea of those three steps that Julie went over. And what I sent to potential clients are books. You yeah. know, I like I've to read. Book. You know what? You know, I like to read. I know. You know what's funny though? You told me that a few weeks ago that you sent um, traction to one of your prospects. I, I sent it to a bunch of them. I know. 
Somebody sent me the same book. <laughs> that's funny. I, that, I mean, isn't that funny? I don't read. I but, mean, but, but I, mean, that's I, I, I get it. And I thought it was, okay, yes. Be authentic, because that be person you. on the other side was being authentic. They got a lot of uh, resources from traction, but he didn't know me. He didn't do he didn't his homework. You. He didn't if he would have listened, if he would have listened to making chips and would have known a little bit more about Jim Carr, he would have known Jim Carr doesn't really like to read. Right. So he should have sent Jim me Carr a doesn't CD. know how to read. Well, it's not that I don't know how. Of course, you know how to read. I but believe I believe you. Well, I do. I mean, I've, I, I made it. You know how to read prints. That's I, about I'm, it. I'm a baby boomer. I'm in, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm in my later stages of life. And but anyway, I've the, done okay. The but point is, you shouldn't send somebody a book because that's not authentic to It's who not you are. authentic at all. I, but, I, but for me, I would it is. much rather send them a CD and say, you know, right. I really got a lot out of this particular artist. And when I'm in a good mood, this is what I listen to. And when I'm feeling, you know, down and out, I, I listen to this. So, But anyway, we're getting a little off track. But no, I, I think you guys did a really, really good interview together. Of course, Julie's, you know... Easy to talk she, to. She's easy to talk to, and she really conveys the message well. But I just want you and Julie to remember that the people that are listening to this show, like me, I think that I'm really a really core audience listener. I represent a lot of what the audience is, a small manufacturer. This is asking them to do something that's a little bit out of their comfort zone. I don't think, I think it's attainable, but I think it's going to take practice. So manufacturers, I think are comfortable in the operational part of the business. But when you ask them to start moving into a sales role, it gets a little bit convoluted and it's a little bit more difficult. I just want you to know that. Believe me, I'm all about pushing myself out of my comfort zone to be more successful. And I've it's happened to me already in my life. Well, but, maybe this is something that we could talk about yes. in the future and the role of the owner, president, leader of a small manufacturing company and how sometimes you do need to do things that are outside of your comfort zone. Yes. But we did a whole podcast. The potential on client that. needs to hear from you. Right. And you can structure this thing in a way that could be successful without you having to own every single part of it. Exactly. And, and the crazy part about this, I think I'm a way better marketing guy than I am a salesperson. I know how to market way better than my average manufacturing peer. So but the thing is, I don't. Th I think that I. I but you got to close the deal. You got to close the deal. Absolutely. I. I know. I know. That's where I lack a little bit of pull through with. Yeah, with and, Jim and I lack on the marketing side, but I know how to close the deal. Funny. That's. Uh, Why don't we team up? Yeah, sounds great. So in, in retrospect, uh, yeah, let's start a podcast, man. <laughs> yeah, we know how to do that well. Again, I want to commend you on a great episode. I'm really liking the the restructure, the way we're doing this nowadays. Um, it's a little bit easier for us to get guests on the show. We're dividing and conquering, I should say. And um, with that, all I want to say is, bam. bam. Metalworking Nation, listen up. Manufacturing is challenging. You need to think differently. The day-to-day -day whirlwind of urgencies, the pressure to grow, Customer demands, workforce development, new machine tools and robots, the list goes on and on. It is possible to stay ahead of the game of manufacturing, but you can't do it alone. We're here to give you access to exclusive content from other leaders, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you on making chips. All right, come on. Put the microphone to your mouth. <laughs>
can't Ready? record anything like record. that. And I'm going to hit the record button. I already mm. did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Oh, you did. Speaking of extracting sales, or <laughs> darn it. <laughs> Speaking of- he, the, he had two glasses of wine at lunch. <laughs> no, that's not it. 